everybody who's in the music business in any form or fashion. We all got into the music business because we want to be in touch with musicians. You're the one with the power, not us. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm here with Ariel Hyatt. She's the founder of a company called Cyber PR, author of four best-selling books on social media, PR and publicity, crowdfunding for musicians. And so today, we're going to focus on PR and publicity, and specifically for you know, how can you um, do, do this DIY? How can you save yourself thousands of dollars by figuring out how to pitch yourself and how to you know, share your story in a way that's really compelling? So Ariel, thanks for taking the time to be here today. Thanks for having me. I'm psyched. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to start off by um, just getting to know your story a little bit and kind of how you got started, um, how you became a best-selling author and how you, how you kind of discovered your, your expertise. So I always was passionate about music. My first job out of college was working at an independent record label. From there, I went to work for an independent concert promoter. So I, ha I got my chops sort of learning how to do publicity and marketing in those domains. And I got fired from my job at the concert promotions company and 24, it was 24 years ago. And I was living in Boulder, Colorado at the time, which is a very small market. There weren't exactly a lot of opportunities. So I launched in and became an entrepreneur and started as a traditional PR firm. And over the 10 years or so that I was a totally traditional publicist, the world started obviously changing. Social media started happening sharing files digitally started happening, all of that stuff. And I realized that traditional PR, meaning newspapers, magazines, television, radio, faxing press releases, calling journalists, like all of that was going to not be a very forward way of thinking. So early in the game, I got really interested in digital. And I realized that there were so many artists out there that didn't understand how to navigate this brave new world. And I started writing articles to help them, which originally were published in, in some newspapers. And then I started a website and started publishing the articles. And then after like the thousandth phone call of lost artists, you know, asking me like the very basics about publicity, marketing, social media, I wrote it all down and self-published my first book in 2007. And I love writing. I, I love writing and I've since published three other books and tons of blogs and it's sort of my outlet is, is writing. And I feel a very big responsibility to give back to our artist community, which is why I love writing books and I love traveling. So when you write a book, you get invited to speak at conferences. So that was a very amazing benefit to that. And so here we are all these years later. Mm, that's awesome, man. I would love to write a book. You've got four best-selling author. That's awesome. So 
what would you say, what are the biggest reasons that they should learn what we're about to teach them in terms of like PR and publicity? Like why, why is it important? It's important because to hire a, pub, a good publicist costs a lot of money. I'm talking about like when, when you feel like it's time to really go for like Billboard, Rolling Stone, you know, the lar- like NPR, large outlets where you're probably not going to get very far without someone that already has a solid contact base. But to hire someone to put you through SubmitHub, which we'll talk about in a minute, and to hire someone to get you on very small to medium blogs when you're just starting out is not necessary in this day and age. And so I talk to a lot of artists who have sort of been sold a fake bill of goods from a PR firm where they thought, oh, I'm going to get in Rolling Stone or I'm going to get on Pitchfork or I'm going to get on Drown and Down, Stereo Gum, Brooklyn Vegan, you know, these huge outlets, which probably if you're just building your foundation and you're a newer artist, unless you already have a large following or you're signed to a label that has some curb appeal, um, or you're being managed by someone, there's a story. You're not going to get into those massive publications on your first go around. So you can save a ton of money by, by putting in a little a bit of elbow grease and, and spinning your own publicity wheels. And I love teaching this because I think especially now with COVID-19 wiping out a lot of not that artists ever had a giant amount of disposable income, most of the ones I know. I just think publicity is probably not the best use of spending what little budgets you might have going forward. Gotcha. So it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, when it comes to publicity and PR, there are some like really big publications where having an in, having some connections can go a long way. But, you know, they're also for people who are really established and are kind of ready for that level. Uh, or maybe if they have like a crazy story or something, then, you know, maybe that, that could be, that could land. But what you see is that there's also some musicians that maybe getting taken advantage of, or maybe they're not making the most wide, like the wisest investment with their limited, their limited budget. When there are some tools for getting started, uh, like, and I know we're going to kind of d- dig into these, but like, you know, tools like Submit Hub and some other tools that they can kind of get started with. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big opportunity to save thousands of dollars and still to get a lot of the benefit of, of getting on these publications. Totally. That's it. Cool. So, yeah, you know, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see musicians struggling with when it comes to, you know, getting on these publications in the first place? So the first thing that you have to have to do is understand that publicity, really good publicity is all about planning. And the plan that I see most musicians make is they get a big giant list from someone or somewhere and they copy and paste their bio and a link to their music and they blast that out to hundreds of people. That's not a plan. That is a surefire way of A, pissing off journalists that might have been interested in you, B, that sort of throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks method is a very antiquated approach to PR, this sort of very general blasting, um, which I do not recommend. And I see artists do that all the time. And then the other thing I see, see happening is And of course, you should have a dream if you want to be on Pitchfork, if you want to have 
you know, your sight set on a larger publication, I am not here to say don't try for that, but you definitely want to start somewhere. And I, I always say start smaller. So number one mistake that all artists make is this sort of blasting or this going way too big. You, you're probably not going to just cold call someone at Rolling Stone or Pitchfork. You're going to need a, a more of a warm introduction. That's, that's just the way it is, and that's okay. However, the smart way to do it is step one, plan. Plan, and planning also means researching. That's another mistake that I see artists doing is they, they don't really read music blogs. They don't really understand what's out there. They don't get the lay of the land, and then they pitch to the to the wrong outlets and and they're not going to get you're not going to get a lot of result if you're if you're you know firing at the wrong target that's just the way it is gotcha so it sounds like you know there's there's two really big challenge or mistakes that the musicians make a lot of times starting out <laughs> and being you know being on the receiving at the end of this i've seen this a lot too the blast or the promotion that's just totally like general and just it it just gives you like like a little yucky feeling in yourself you're like really like come on so that's right. not very effective but sometimes that's you know what people do starting out but then also yeah, kind of this like throw spaghetti at a wall and hope something kind of sticks thing where it just really isn't very focused or refined and therefore doesn't really get results. So you mentioned that the way to like a couple of things that are really important to kind of get around that are researching and, and planning. So mm -hmm. what does that process look like? So in the planning side, which is the sort of preparing for publicity, you first have to understand that no matter who you're pitching to, whether you're using a system like a music submit or a submit hub, or there's some other places where you can go to send your music through, just having like a giant long bio is not going to cut it. First of all, you need to understand what a pitch is, how to write a good pitch, how to be appealing in four or five short sentences that really mm -hmm. capture who you are and explain what the music is like. And going in and listing, you know, every single person who produced and mixed and mastered and all the band members and how you met and going on and on, that is not going to make a, like a writer excited, right? So you have to really understand the art of writing a pitch. You have to prepare something and you have to also make sure that you've got attractive photos. You've got to have good looking cover art. You know, you want your whole package to look really good. Of course, the music has to sound amazing, be well mixed, well mastered, um, and presented on SoundCloud because that is the place where most music blogs are going to embed your music. Obviously, if you're going for a Spotify or an Apple music playlist, you have to have your music up on Spotify and Apple. But so you've got to prepare a very concise pitch and have a really good looking media kit. So that's, that's the, the preparation part. Then the second part is like you said, like we've been saying, you want to research your targets and you want to make sure that start, you know, make, make some targets, make some small targets like, okay, these are really smaller blogs and then some medium and, and make some stretch goals as well. And I would say if you could, create a list of 20 to 30 outlets, that's a good number. Don't worry about the thousands and thousands. Make a, a targeted list. 
And then you want to make sure that you look at each one of those outlets. Is it a guy? Is it a girl? Who's the writer? Um, what do they write about? What do they like? Because if they are not writing about the type of music that you make and you go and pitch them, it's not going to go well, right? So understand who you're then talking to. And you want to cater each of those 20 to 30 pitches very, very carefully and individually. You wouldn't just vomit out a generic to whom it may concern or dear sir pitch. It has to be, hi, Mary. Hey, Matt. Hey, Alex. Hey, whatever the name of the writer is. And then you want to say the reason why you're reaching out to them. I live in the town that you cover or the city that you cover. I make a kind of music that I think you appreciate because you already wrote about X band and I sound like them. That could be an approach. Or um, I saw that, you know, you interviewed so-and-so. We just were on the road with that band. You know, you have to get an in so that you can appeal to each one of those journalists, writers, bloggers, podcasters, playlisters, whoever it is. And then from there, you're going to send out your pitch. Mm, beautiful. Okay. So it sounds like the two steps that kind of went into that process were one, preparing, like preparing the resources, preparing the assets. So like having really good looking photos and just making sure it looks polished and, and clean. And obviously the music, you know, you want it, you want it to be good. Um, and to have it on SoundCloud really easily digestible by them. And one thing that, that I do want to dig into a little bit, a little bit deeper, because it's probably, it's, it's, it's something that's like really, really important, but might be kind of tricky to, to hone in on. But, you know, you mentioned the refining the bio. So it's not just a huge long bio about your, your dog and <laughs> about like your, your bandmates are like, <laughs> you know, like a really long, but it's like, it's like very short and sweet and to the point and probably something that kind of reaches out and it's kind of like, Ooh, like that's, that's interesting or that's unique or it kind of has like an interesting like hook or something to it. Like what tips would you have for, for artists who are trying to figure out what is that short, that short bio, or, or how can they pitch themselves, or, or what kind of sets them apart, or how do they present that? It's very important to talk about feelings, like what type of emotion and feeling does your music actually evoke? Mm-hmm. Every, every, all music is melodic, right? All music is unique. All music has specific things that are, that are very general. I could write many, many sentences like, soaring harmonies, four part, you know, that kind of thing that literally applies to like any music. So when you're thinking about like, what is that little nugget going to be? How do you want people to feel? Are you going to get up and like dance when you hear this music? Are you going to like go out for a run? Cause it's like high energy and it's made for like high impact. Are you going to cry? Cause it's moving and sad. Are you going to, you know, you want the, the listener or the reader in this point to understand like the, the feeling. That is one very powerful way of crafting a pitch. Another way is you have to give context. And I see a lot of artists that, that feel very kind of fearful about this. They don't want to compare themselves to any other artist, but you probably did not create music that sounds nothing like anything at all in the whole world. You probably sound like someone. So it's very also important to put in your pitch if this suits you. If you like the music of fill in the blank, 
you most probably would like to hear us. And I wouldn't make the, that type of target like a giant household name. Like don't say if you like the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, you know, the Rolling Stones. I mean, these are, art, these are artists that, yeah, maybe you sound like them. Springsteen, stay away from Bob Dylan for God's sake. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> try to come up with something yeah. that's maybe a little bit more niche because these artists that have millions and millions and millions, and I mean, unless you really do sound like Elton John, I would not say that. I would try to find something that's a little bit more um, refined as a reference or a touch point. So mm. then you, you definitely want it. That's something you could put in your pitches. If you enjoy the music of the Chris Robinson Brotherhood, you will love us. Or if you enjoy the music of et cetera. So you want to do that. Then you might, another approach you might also want to take is explaining what the reader or the reader of the pitch is going to hear. Is it jangly? Is it rootsy? Is it poppy in an effervescent sense? But do not just put like a bunch of, of generic genres. That's another sort of way that's not going to get an evoked feeling. So these are bits that you could put into your pitch. Do you have a phenomenal story? I worked with an artist a couple of years ago who almost died of cancer. And while he was in cancer treatment, he was lying in the hospital with, you know, doing his chemo. And it, he was thinking, the one thing I didn't do in my life was I didn't record music and I wish I had. So that was very much a huge part of his pitch and his story. And we wrote that into the pitch because it was really relevant and interesting. And his music was very uplifting and, and had like a sense of, of feeling grateful to be alive in it. So the, the reason why he created the music matched the music. So that, that could be another approach that you could take. You know, how did this music come about? Telling a story like I got into the studio with a producer and we sat around and we wrote like that's not telling an interesting <laughs> story, right? So you, mm. you want to come up with like, is was there inspiration behind this? Is this music created out of a painful or happy, you know, we were working with an artist right now named Moose. Every song that he writes is, is a love letter to his wife. He just, he writes love songs and that totally suits his his style and and that's part of it so like on valentine's day he can do a really big push around his music because it's all written for his beloved so you know there's all different angles that you can take but you want to have something that's going to make the writer click on the music that is not generic and is not boring and is not too vanilla that's awesome yeah, that's, that's really fascinating kind of here. And I always know when I'm talking with someone who's like a master at what they're talking about because they just exude, like like there's just gold nuggets throughout throughout all of it. So there's a, there's a few different angles you could take with it. But one thing that's really important to do is to really kind of hone in and make tangible, like to to help evoke the emotion of what the music is about is always a good thing to, to be able to, because essentially what we're doing is we're trying to communicate 
the what the music is through the form of of words right and just through reading it so to be able to evoke that a lot of it comes down to the feeling that's evoked like what do you feel like doing what kind of impact does this have it makes you get up and dance or you know it's, it makes you cry like you like actual describing physical events that could happen as a result of the music and then also you mentioned uh, so you mentioned like the genres um yeah, like context. I get that a lot too. Like a lot of artists too. It's like it's folky, jazzy, rocky, poppy. Like what? I don't know what that is. Like that's everything. You cannot do that, you know. But if you're very, very specific, then it's totally fine. Like, like, and there's so many subgenres of music right now. Um, whenever I go to teach at universities, I my, one of my favorite exercises is asking the class name a genre and like the things that come out of their mouths i'm like what the hell i don't even heard of that genre it's amazing so mm -hmm. you know if you if you can fit into a very specific you know you wouldn't just say like alternative rock that's like what does that mean that's like everything right so but if you can come up with something that's very specific um that's very helpful to the to the reader mm, awesome yeah, so like digging into the genre, just niching down a bit and making it just making it more making it more understandable, making it more refined. And and also if you have like a really heartwarming story, if you have something like a, like a reason behind the music or really like a message to share with it, that could mm -hmm. be something really powerful to include with it. So, let's say that someone, you know, they've kind of they put in the effort, put in the work, they really have kind of honed in, you know, what is it that how do they describe their sound? And, and I'm sure this is like an iterative process and they're probably like, you know, they improve over time, they'll adapt and they'll kind of tweak things. But then you mentioned uh, the second step is really finding the right people who are going to want to, who are going to be interested, who are going to click on it, they're going to listen to it and think, and it's going to be a good fit for their publication. Making a list of 20 or 30 of those people, you know, maybe small ones, medium ones, big ones, reaching out to them and and really first tr trying to build like a relationship with them and, and sharing why you think you might be a good fit for for them but not doing it in a super overly promotional way or uh, being super generic and clearly just like a mass message but in like a personalized message for them specifically that's it that's it awesome cool so what other like challenges, what other obstacles do you, do you find getting in the way of musicians doing this successfully? Not following up. So if you're using a portal like submithub.com, that's a portal for those of you that don't know it, you pay, you buy tokens, and there's a huge list of music blogs and playlisters and even some record labels and you upload your music and then you pay about a dollar for a premium submission and you you it's it's all broken down by genre so obviously do not submit to the heavy metal site if you make folk music that is something that every single writer complains to me about they're like i only write about hip hop why are these country singers hitting me up so again, it's like understanding who you're sending to. So the thing that's amazing about SubmitHub is for like 50 bucks, you can get 50 pitches out and they will only be able to take the 50 cents of your dollar if they provide feedback. So the feedback is either going to be, this wasn't for me and they might give a reason, like I just didn't dig your vocal or I wasn't really feeling the bridge, whatever, or it gets placed. So that is a great way of 
getting your feet wet and actually getting some feedback. Although I wouldn't take the feedback with too much um, weight. It could be an intern just sitting, going through that inbox. Like you, you don't, don't get upset if you get weird feedback, which we often do when we send our clients through. So that would be one way of, of getting that pitch out. And you don't need to follow up on SubmitHub because you paid for the submission. However, if you are pitching a regular journalist who is not on SubmitHub and there's no like official way of submitting the music to them, either paid or free, following up is crucial. And especially if you have a show coming up and you're trying to get like a calendar listing or get some, some notice out about something that you're doing, people that work at dailies, weeklies, and monthlies, newspaper, magazine, they are overwhelmed. They're always under deadline. You want to give them plenty of lead time and you want to follow up because they could have not seen it the first time it came through, or they could have seen it on their phone in the middle of the night while they were scrolling and then they forgot to go capture it on their desktop at work, whatever. So you definitely want to follow up those pitches. Do not just send it once and be like, oh God, I didn't get any PR because you probably won't get it the first time. Um, and so here at Cyber PR, when we run PR campaigns, we have a three strikes and you're out policy. So we actually follow up with each and every writer three separate times. And then if after the third time, if they haven't responded to us, it becomes obnoxious to be like, hey, did you get it? Um, so we leave it alone. Another thing that we might, we do is we track to see if the email is actually getting opened. And if we notice after two sends, there's no open, they didn't even receive it, we might try an alternative way of pitching, maybe sending a tweet, a Facebook or an Instagram DM is you, you can do it, but you again, you have to do it really politely. You have to put the person's first name. You don't wanna be like, hey, check me out. You know, you wanna be very, again, careful with your pitch. So giant mistake is not following up. And I've seen it so many times. You've got to persevere. If you're going to do PR, it's relationship building. And so, you know, you wouldn't just go on one date and get married, right? You gotta keep going back to build that relationship. That's key. Oh, what's up guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. 
All right, let's get back to the podcast. Cool. So, you know, I've, I've heard of Submit Hub before. I've, not, I've never actually used it myself, but I know it's like a really amazing tool. So that's really cool to hear how, how that works. And so Submit Hub, basically, you can join it. You pay a dollar per submission. That's probably great for everyone because then it's like for the, the people who are receiving all the submissions, it's a little bit more vetting. They know that it's not just someone who's clicking spam and just sending the general message out to everyone. It's based on genre. So that can be a good way. And it sounds also like it's a good way to get feedback, which can you, know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes you, know, like you might get some weird feedback. But when you're starting out, sometimes that feedback can be so, so valuable to be able to figure out how to adapt. Um, so that's one tool that, that you'd recommend is, is going on there. And I also then, love music yeah. submit, which is, um, they actually pres uh, came way before submit hub, but music submit, it doesn't go by tokens. You have to buy packages and they'll submit you to like a hundred or 200 or 50 or whatever. Um, that's another really great resource that same, it works the same way. They send your music out on your behalf. But again, you always, in all cases, still need to write an attractive pitch and there will be a cutoff. So you have to be careful with, you know, how many characters the pitch is. But yes, mm. Submit Hub and Music Submit, I think are two really good places to, to get started. Cool. So, so Music Submit and Submit Hub are two really great places to get started. You also mentioned, I, th I love the, the three strikes and you're out um, follow-up policy too. Uh, that actually helps, you know, me thinking about, because we, we have some, you know, different, um, you know, campaigns that we do where we reach out to different, different people. And so, yeah, the three strikes you're out is kind of a cool way of thinking about it. But it sounds like, you know, of course, when you're reaching out to those people, you really want to research, you want to make sure that you're a good fit, you want to make it more personalized. And uh, one thing that I was curious about was how do you follow up those three times? Like, what exactly do you say in those emails um, without, you know, I know like, like you mentioned, anytime over, over three times, it would maybe start to feel a little bit obnoxious. But even like, you know, one, two or three, like for me, I would feel a little bit weird. I mean, the first time, maybe then like two and three. How, how exactly do you follow up with those people in a way that gets responses? Yeah, well, first of all, no matter how frustrated and annoyed you are, definitely don't be like, here I am following up again, like you <laughs> will piss them off. So don't do that. But you might say it more politely, like, hey, last week or two weeks ago, I sent you my new music that I'm really, really excited about. And I, I would so love to hear back from you because I really love your writing or I live in the same town as you and I've got a show coming, whatever you want to say why you're following up. And you could say, I was really hoping that I would at least get a response. You know, you can be make them feel like you actually care about them. I think that's, that's another giant mistake that artists make is like they just expect. No one is giving you anything. You have to work for it, especially with relationships. So when you go for a second or a third follow-up, think like, how does it feel if you miss an email in your inbox? How did those people get through to you? They probably didn't say something rude or obnoxious. They probably said, hey, I'm just checking in again. I've sent you an email last week or whatever, and I'm following up. And it's totally okay to do that. So I would say that coming up with multiple reasons of saying why you're following up could be a very effective way of getting someone to actually pay attention. Awesome. So 
you know, the most important thing when you're following up is one, like definitely be polite. Don't be rude or, or, or obnoxious. But you know, one thing that you mentioned, and this, there's this shift of like, instead of just like me, 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 like and thinking about like, you know, taking and getting benefit, like kind of flipping it on its head and thinking about you know, how can I like thinking about them and how are they seeing it and how can I make this as valuable as possible? Like, how can I provide value to them? And when you're reaching out to them, like, and you think about how can I provide value to them? Like the right people, they, they want you to reach out to them. Like they, they want to connect with you if you're a good fit for their yeah. publication. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think something yeah. that artists forget all the time, all the time is everybody who's in the music business in any form or fashion, we all got into the music business because we want to be in touch with musicians. You're the one with the power, not us. And I think that like, we get really frustrated and upset and overwhelmed and like, that person has something magical. No, they don't. You made the music. They are nothing without you. Yes, they might be really connected or they're a good manager or they're a booking agent or they own a club or whatever the thing is that you want from them. They don't own a club if there's no one performing on the stage. You know, so I think this is a way of framing it for yourself where you can really give yourself some power in that context. And I see artists all the time forgetting that because they've been shot down so many times and because it's so hard to even get one, you know, toe up on the, on the proverbial ladder. But really, I don't have a job if the music sucks. I don't have a job if the artist isn't good. I don't have a job if you don't want to work with me, you pay me. And so in many cases, whether it's service-based, you are also PS paying any venue, any manager, any record label, you are generating the income for them. So I think that's an empowering way to look at this when it can feel very disempowering when there's when you really, really want something. And the same goes for PR. And if there is something that you can do to offer a little nugget or something helpful to the writer, amazing. You know, I, I think of some of the best relationships that I have in the business, John Tagliari is a musician. I've known him for 20 years, maybe more. He cold called me one day and, and was like, hey, my name is John. I'm a broke musician. I totally can't afford to work with you, but I will one day. Can we meet? And I was like, no, that's weird. But then he called back a month later and he was like, it's John again. And this time he said, he was living in New Jersey. I was living in Manhattan. He was like, I... I've been playing a ton of gigs in New Jersey and I've got this really good list of local outlets where if you ever have artists that are playing in New Jersey, I've got newspapers and magazines and TV and radio and names and numbers. Can I give it to you? And I was like, that's very nice. I said, yes. And then he called me a month later and said, I'm going to be in the city. Can we meet for a drink? And the answer was yes. So, and we, be, we became very, very good friends. He did end up hiring me. I ended up hiring him to work with me and we've had a relationship forever. So if there is something that you can offer someone, it's, it's amazing. I, it, you know, it's hard to think, figure, you know, what can I offer a music blogger, but maybe you're a great writer and you want to review music. Like maybe that's an option. I don't know. But if you can come up with how do I help not, I deserve something. I think 
you're right. That is the best possible way to frame how you're going to get your success in this crazy business. I love that story. That was, that was so perfectly, perfectly uh, articulated. The difference between his approach with reaching out to you being like, you know, thinking of you first and, and thinking about how he can provide value and how that was, you know, how he got contact. And I mean, even it's probably like a useful exercise. I mean, just to us talking about it right now probably helps, but you know, them just sitting down and thinking about how can I benefit them? Like how, how am I helping them by reaching out? And if it's the right, if it's the right blogger who's your music is a good fit for then, you know, literally like you're providing a service because you know, it is the right song. Like they're, they're going to enjoy it. And what I love about, about you and what we're talking about right now and, and what you offer is that I, I think you're, you're totally right that for a long time, artists have sort of gotten the short end of the stick in terms of the music business. Like we've been misrepresented or we've been taken advantage of by people who run the business side of things and, and, and kind of have this idea of like, oh, you don't need to know about this business stuff. You know, like you're a musician, you're just an artist. Like, yeah, it's not important. You don't even care about this. We'll take care of the money. You know, most, most of the most successful musicians in the world are also really smart marketers as well. And like, they're really, like, they're great at business things. And so not. it is a really valuable skill, yeah. right? And so, you know, I think what you're teaching right now with, you know, taking control of your own career and being able to reach out to them, these blogs is part of this movement that's happening right now with musicians, you know, being able to use some of these tools to be able to, to directly connect with their audiences in a way that was really difficult in the past. Like you needed a record label or infrastructure to do it. Mm-hmm. And now you're with both with the PR and publicity and with like the, the crowdfunding, like you're really helping musicians to take the power back and to be able to make a bigger impact because of it. Thanks. And yeah, that's for sure. And I think that, especially when it comes to crowdfunding, that's a whole other conversation, but there is again, that fear or that thought thinking of like, Oh, I I don't want to ask for $50 or a hundred dollars or whatever it is. Even if you're like Patreon $3 a month, you're, you're offering something. You're offering your lifeblood. You're offering your enthusiasm and your love and your craft and your art. And those people can take or leave what you are offering. They can either pay you for it or they can not pay you for it. And the problem is in the communication. You know, like I just told that story of John Tagliere. If he had given up after phone call number one, where I was like, that's weird, and I hung up, and never called me again, there would be no relationship, right? But this is the kind of artist that John is. And he put out eight albums. He got a record deal in Germany and was widely touring Europe. He got an amazing booking agent because he always said yes, and he was always solving problems and figuring out how he could help people. Um, Even his booking agent, like his booking agent was a big college booking agent. And he had backline and he had a, a van and the college booking agent would sometimes be flying artists in and John would say, would go and get them with the backline and the van. And he became of service to this booking agency. And Ari Niesman, Deggy Booking, loved working with John because John was his guy if he ever needed something. Be that person 
even to your booking agent, you know, and think like, how can I be of service or be helpful in some way? And that will hugely separate you from the pack. And again, if, if, he, if John had given up, there would have been no relationship. And this is the, the deal with any type of relationship that you're making, even if it's a tiny blogger who lives in the basement of their parents' house in Albuquerque, like they are craving relationship just as much as the flashy, you know, writer who lives in a big city and writes for a, a known entity, right? So, and what also I've found, because I've been in this business forever, is we do this, we, we travel together, right? The first people I met at my first South by Southwest in 1996 on the street outside of venue, I'm still friends with them. And there, there's a few of us left in the business, many of us not anymore, but this is where the, where the good stuff happens is, is with creating relationships. And so always ask yourself, you know, A, how can I help? And always remind yourself, without you, we don't, we don't have anything at all. Mm, so good. All right. So Ariel, I know you have a, a three month old baby at home <laughs> and, and he's and sleeping so now. Thank God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you go here, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, to be here. And, you know, I know that um, you got some really amazing resources and materials for musicians who you know, need, who want some more details on how to successfully, you know, reach out and get their music on blogs and with PR and publicity. And also with like, you know, crowdfunding. I know you're a best-selling author. You got four, four books. What's the best way for them to get in contact with you or to learn more? Well, for everyone that's taking your course, I, we talked about this and I, I'd love to offer you my music publicity masterclass totally for free. It's a hundred dollar class. It breaks down in very, very deep detail. A lot of the things we talked about today, how to write your pitch, how to prepare for publicity, how to get a really good media list, how to pitch, how to not get deflated during the pitch problem, how to make your pitch better. And then what do you do with the publicity? Because that's another thing that we didn't have time to talk about today. But that's all covered in my course. You can find it. I guess there's probably going to be a link here or you can come to cyberprmusic.com and there you can read all about the other books I've written. And there's 11 other courses if you want to take them with me. But this, the Music Publicity Masterclass is totally for free and is my way of saying, here's a gift for all of us now that we're all suffering from this ridiculous global pandemic, which is so sad and hard. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. And yeah, so uh, Ariel, you're awesome. Thanks again. It's been great. Uh, great meeting you. And uh, I wish you all the best with your three-month-old. We have a, a baby Thanks. on the way coming in two months. So we're so in the same boat. I know. Well, amazing. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.